Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. God's called us here, I know he'll open up a door. Everywhere we've got the green light to go, God has just blown the door open. And you look back and say, that was only him. That, was, that wasn't me, that was him. So anyway, just to share my testimony, just real briefly, you know, I'll share my wife first. She grew up in a pastor's home and was saved at four years old. Four years old. You, you can be saved at four years old, I, I can assure you that. The Bible says you got to... If you enter into heaven, you enter in as a little child. And so a child is able to understand the gospel. Now, not all four-year-olds are at the same level. So some four-year-olds may not be able to get saved at four because of the comprehension. Maybe some five-year-olds may not be. Uh, dear pastor back here, or preacher here, he, he knows uh, Pastor Fugit, and a very uh, well-known preacher across the country, was saved at five years old. And so, so we have people saved. I didn't get saved till I was 20, but she grew up in a good home, pastor's home, was saved at four. And I was saved. I went to uh, the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, and through the, uh, the foreknowledge and providence of God, he opened up a door. He was able to use one student among 20,000 students to come find me and invite me to church. And uh, through a tremendous way, it only had to be the Holy Spirit. And I say that because the, the church that he invited me to, that pastor knew me when I was a kid. Now, how we found out that I was going to the college, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I had no contact with him, zero. So uh, with all that said and done, uh, he put this student on a mission to come find me. And I was unsaved. So when he come and found me, I started going, and you know what God does? He gets you in a good church. He starts convicting and moving and working. You know, thank God for people that are saved in here, but we ought to go out and tell them. You know, we got to go out. We got to go out. We got to go out and tell them. So, you know, that, that student invited me, and, um, and I was uh, under such conviction in my dorm room on a, on a uh, late October 2015, I knelt beside my dorm room bed at a secular college and prayed, trusted Christ as my Savior. And I uh, didn't take a soul winner, didn't take a pastor. I knew what I needed. I needed Jesus. By the way, that's what we all need. He's the remedy. Is there any balm in Gilead? Yeah, there is. And his name is Jesus. Amen. So we need to continue to give out the gospel. And that's just a little bit of my testimony, okay? All hearts and minds clear. We're good this morning. Let's go into the preaching, okay? Let's turn to Hebrews chapter number 11, all right? Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 this morning. And when you're there, uh, go, ahead and, uh, go ahead and go to Genesis chapter number 5, if you will, as well. And to hold your place, I'm going to read Hebrews 11 first on purpose. Say, why don't you read Genesis? That's before Hebrews. I got a purpose for it, okay? Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 and Genesis chapter number 5. 
If we could, this morning, out of respect of the reading of God's Word, let's stand this morning, if we could. Hebrews 11, uh, 5. Well, let's stand and we'll read that. Uh, I'll read it for you as you follow along there, okay? Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Genesis chapter number 5. Look, if you will, over there. Genesis 5, verse number 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. And he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. For just a few moments this morning, I'd like to preach uh, on this subject, pleasing God, pleasing God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me, and as many uh, preachers have often said, I'm standing in a place where no one can stand alone, and I need the help of the Holy Spirit this morning to empower and to help me, uh, to fill me with your spirit, and to help me to help your people, Lord. Thank you for Lighthouse Baptist Church. And, and what this place has stood for, I pray you continue to help them to do that. Allow them to grab something from the, the message this morning to make a difference this week for all of eternity. Lord, for your glory and our good, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I want to give you a, a, a message this morning on the subject of pleasing God. Pleasing God. You see... In, in, your, in your King James Bible this morning, in, your, in the Word of God, we see there's not a lot known about the Bible character Enoch, right? And if you know much about your Bible, I read two of the three passages where Enoch is mentioned. Enoch is mentioned here in Hebrews 11, 5. He's mentioned in Genesis 5, 21 through 24. And he's also mentioned in Jude 14 and 15. And I'm not going to, uh, you, you could preach a whole message, Pastor, on, on that one. He's talking about how much of a preacher of righteousness he is. And uh, thank God we need preachers of righteousness, okay? You know, I, I believe we are in the shape we are in as a country today because we, have, we do not have men of God that are preaching righteousness. And there's a right way to live, folks. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, and, and the ends thereof are the ways of what? Death. We have our way. I'm sorry there. We have our way, and the way is death. God has his way, and that's eternal life. So I want to please him. I don't want to please my flesh. So this morning here we, we see where Enoch's mentioned, and we see he was a preacher of righteousness. That's my goal. That's your pastor. I'm, I know I, our friendship, and uh, I, I, as much as I, I've talked to him, his goal is to, uh, is to be a preacher of righteousness, to please the Lord that way. So was the dear brother in the back there. We want to stand for truth and right, stand for what's right, with a backbone as a, as a mule and an ox, as they say. But we want to stand strong. I think about it in um, life, we want to please many people. And, and I'll tell you this morning, there's nothing wrong with pleasing people. I think about pleasing your spouse if you're married. And uh, I, uh, pleasing, you, you ought to want to please your wife, right? And uh, if you're going to live a happy life, you've got to have a happy life, right? And so 
I want to please my wife. Why, why is that? That's biblical. If you turn to, I'm not going to make you turn to 1 Corinthians 7. The Bible says that if we, we ought to want to please our wives, husbands. And wives, we ought to want to please our husbands. And so if we please one another, why do we want to please each other? Because if we please each other in the, in the matter of this spiritual life that we're living, we're pleasing God. So as, we, as, I, as I please my wife and as she pleases me, we're doing it together to please him. And as you please your spouse, you're doing the same thing. Think about pleasing your spouse. What about pleasing your parents? I know all the kids have left. We still got some kids in, or a few uh, uh, you know, young people in here this morning. And I say this, you, know, you ought to want to please your parents. You ought to want to please mom and dad or whoever is raising you. That's right. That The Bible says you ought to do it because you ought to honor them, and, you ought, and that's just right. That's why you ought to do that. And by the way, when you get older, you ought to still want to please your mom and dad. I'm not saying they should be above God, but you ought to want to honor them and to please them, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay, this morning? Amen? We all right this morning? Okay? All right? So we ought to want to please our spouse and please our parents, and, and I think about pleasing my boss. You know, I have a public job. When I go to work, every day I want to please my boss why you want to get hiring your company no I don't have nothing to do with that I want to please my boss because it's a reflection of pleasing God when I please my boss I'm pleasing God I'm not saying you ought to please your boss and doing stuff bad and doing stuff un un underhanded and that I'm not saying that I'm saying when you do right at work you are a reflection of who you are as a Christian and you're pleasing God then I think about pleasing your friends. And, we, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, folks. But none of that should trump over the fact of us wanting to please God. Amen. Pleasing God. That's what we're talking about this morning. Living a life that's pleasing to God. You know, that is our goal and daily assignment. We have a goal in life and we have a daily assignment. And God's given us that to us and we ought to want to please Him. From waking up in the morning to going to bed at night, we ought to want to please our Savior every single day. You know, that ought to be our goal. That is our daily assignment. When we wake up in the morning, how are we doing? When we go off to work, how are we doing? When we're with our family, how are we doing? When we go to Walmart, like a godly place like Walmart, how are we doing? How are we doing? And then, and then throughout the day, how are we doing? How are we doing in this matter of pleasing God? It's so very important. It's so very important. The, the God of this, the, the God, not the God of this world, but the God of all heaven and earth, he sent his son to die for us so that we could be saved. And when we're saved, we ought to want to please him. It, it's simple. But a lot of us get so caught up in the matters of life that we get what we want and not what he wants. And when we get what we want, we please ourselves. And not please him. Okay, this morning. So I'm thinking about here, why is, it, why is it important to please God? Why? Why is it important? Well, uh, preacher, that's elementary. I know why it's important to please God. Well, that's fine. I'm going to share with you why it's important to please God. Number one, knowing what Christ did for me. 
Do you understand what Christ did for you this morning? If you're saved on your way to heaven and, and you got a home in heaven and your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning, you have a lot to be thankful for and you have a lot to please God for because He saved your soul. Out of, he literally took the cap off hell, snatched you out to save you and take you to heaven when you die. We ought to live a life pleasing to God for what He did for us. I don't want to ever get, I know I shared a little bit of my testimony uh, just a few minutes ago and I shared the full story in Sunday school. I don't, I, like I said this morning, I don't want to ever get over the wonder of my salvation. And when I don't ever get, get over that wonder, I have a, a knowledge and a mindset to say the wonder is fresh. And I remind myself of what God did in my life, how he saved me and how he sealed me until the day of redemption. And when he did that, I have in my mind, I want to please God. I want to please him. So knowing what Christ did for me, and when I realize what he did for me, I'm satisfied. I really am. I'm satisfied, folks. I have joy in my heart. I'm satisfied. I can walk down uh, memory lane. I can walk down Main Street. No matter what I do, I can, I can be satisfied knowing that I'm pleasing him. Number two, why is it important to please God? By the way, before I go into that, not only what he did for you, but God's not done with you. You're here this morning, and you're living a life, and you ought to want to please God from today. If you say, well, I haven't done a lot of pleasing God in my past, what about from now until he calls you home? You have a lot of life to leave until you can, so you can please God. Number two, why is it important to please God? Knowing that I will kneel before God one day. You know, that's a sobering thought. You know, we, we all think about heaven's going to be wonderful, and it is. And I'm thankful for heaven this morning. I really am. I'm thankful for the streets of gold and thankful for the mansions, thankful for all the things that the walls of Jasper and, and, and being in the beauty of, of his glory for all eternity. I'm thankful for that. But, but before all of that, we're going to kneel before God, and we're going to give an account for what we've done in our bodies. The Bible says whether they be good or whether they be bad. So whatever you do, as a, as a saved person, you're not going to be judged for your sins. That's only for people who rejected God. But, uh, but for us that are saved this morning, we're going to give an account for the things that we've done in our body. And the things that we've done in our body ought to be a reflection of pleasing Him. You know, a lot of things that we can mention here, but we ought to want to please Him. We're going to kneel, but that's a sobering thought to me. You know, I think about preachers of the past, and um, I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, maybe uh, Brother Harold Seitler. How many of you know Brother Harold Seitler? Thank God for him. But I think he was talking to another preacher, and you know, Brother Seitler used to run thousands of people, and you know, when, when somebody, uh, it might have been somebody else, but I think it might have been Brother Seitler, when, he, when he's talking about, you know, um, talking to maybe a somebody that, that's got a church this size or, or smaller, you know. But when you have a church that size, you've got a lot to, you got a lot to, to kneel before God one day and you've got to give an account for. You're a pastor, but church run 3,000 people. That, that's sobering because you're going to be held accountable for every single one of your members. Wow. That's, and by the way, you may not be a pastor, but you're going to be held accountable for things you do in your family things you do in your church, things you do in, as a saved person, you're going to be held accountable for those things. So I want to please God, knowing that I'm going to be kneeling before him one day. Number three, why is it important to please God? It's important 
because others see your Christian example, which is your testimony. When you choose to live your life that's not pleasing unto God, you're giving a bad reflection and a bad name for God. When you're saved, a child of God, and, and, and you go out and do what you want to do and go live a life full of sin and go meddle into sin, you know you're not just reflecting your bad, you're reflecting on God. God's not bad, but when a saint like Lot in, in the Old Testament, Lot didn't do a lot of good things to reflect good on God. He didn't please God very much. And so when we live a life that's pleasing to us and, and we, we, we meddle into sin and we do what we want to do, we're reflecting bad on God. That's our testimony. That's our reputation. That's who we are. And the world sees us. The world sees, the, and as you hear often, the only Bible that people may see is us. And if we're not living the Bible out, then they're, they're seeing a bad representation of a Christian. So may God help us. Number three, knowing that others see your Christian example. By the way, Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Well, you say, wow, I have a lot of enemies. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having enemies because the Bible says you're going to have them. The Bible just says they're going to be at peace with you. So there's nothing wrong with having it, and I, I, I'm, you know, I can think, and I don't know that anybody that hates my guts or wants to kill me or is waiting, maybe somebody might be out there waiting to take me out. I don't know, but I'm just saying that when my ways please God, the Bible says my en even, even my enemies are going to be at peace with me. That's powerful, and we've got to get a hold of that truth. And then I see here, there, here, this is the message right here. Two areas, two areas in Enoch's life that we see here that are recorded to see how he pleased God. Number one, number one, fellowship in walking with God. I like that term, walking with God, walking with the Savior, walking with the Savior. What does it mean to walk with God? I'm not above explaining myself this morning. What, is, what does it mean to walk with God? One is in close communion or fellowship with a holy God. You have an intimate relationship, you and the Savior. You can go to him for anything, and he can speak to your heart about anything. And you have that close bond, that relationship between you and the Savior. That's you walking with God. How do you do that? How is that portrayed in our life? Well, we do that when we open the Word of God and we read it. Do you read the Bible? I'm talking about not just on Sunday and Wednesday. I'm talking about Monday. I'm talking about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What are we doing? Are, are we doing what we ought to be doing by walking with him in his word? When we're in his word, he's able to speak to our hearts, and he's able to mold us and make us how he wants us to be made. So are we walking with him in his word? Are we walking with him in prayer? I, I spent the whole lesson on Sunday school about prayerlessness. And if we're not doing our job by praying, then we're not walking with God. We ought to want to pray. I'm not talking about every morning, God help me, bless me today, in Jesus' name, amen, out the door you go. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spending time in prayer, spending seasons in prayer. I'm talking about you have burdens and, and cares of life that are bogging you down and you need a touch from the master, and you're on the same page as God, you can go to God in prayer and walk with him because you, he, you know that he's listening to you. 
Then I think about walking with God in the Spirit throughout the day. I want to walk in the Spirit. You, you, you think about, the Bible talks about we ought to walk in the light as He is in the light. You know what that means? We're walking in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is leading our path. Wherever the Spirit wants us to go, that's where we ought to want to go. Whatever the Spirit wants us to do, that's what we ought to want to do. Wherever the Spirit wants us to tell, that's what we ought to want to tell. So are we being led by the Spirit? Are we in our work? And are we praying? I can tell you, are you walking with God this morning? How are you doing in those three areas of life? Are you walking with Him? Are you walking with Him in His Word? Are you walking with Him in prayer? Are you walking with Him by being led by the Spirit, walking with God. Amos 3.3 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be You know what that, that tells me this morning? Enoch and God were walking together. The Bible says in Amos 3.3, 3, the only way that two can walk together is if they are agreed. So if Enoch and God are walking together, what's that mean? They're on the same page. They're agreeing together. So what does that mean? Enoch was doing everything God told him that he ought to be doing. Now, was Enoch a perfect man? No, he won't. But Enoch was doing his best to live a life that was pleasing to God by walking with him. Whatever God wanted, that's what Enoch wanted. Whatever, whatever, what, whatever's in his word this morning, are you doing that? Are you praying this morning? Are you being led by the Spirit? How are we doing in walking with God? Are we being like Enoch in walking with God? Walking with God. Then I see here, why, you know, walking with God, what's that all about? Well, we learn from God when we walk with him. And I want you to hear me out on these next few thoughts. We learn from God when we walk with him. You understand you gain precious truth by walking with God. When you walk with the Savior, you gain precious truth. How do you do that? Open your Bible and, and let God speak to you. You gain something. I just love when I get in my Bible and let God speak to my heart. Because something that I'm doing wrong, I, I change that. Or something that I could be doing extra, I try to do that. But how do I do that? I do that by walking with him. Then I see here, we, we gain precious truth. You understand the spirit of God illuminates our lives with truth from his word. And by prayer, God speaks to my heart. Does he speak to yours? Well, if he don't, then you're probably not walking with him. Then I, I see here, you're able to discern situations and obtain wisdom to make decisions. When you walk with him, you're able to have discernment. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth liberally, right? So when we walk with him, we can say, hey, God, I need a little bit more wisdom today. Can you help me pour out your blessings, pour out your wisdom that I may be able to make a wise decision today. And then being able to discern some things. You know, it, life can be difficult. It can be hard. But when you walk with him, it's easier to discern what to do and what not to do. Then I see here, walking with God, there are some things, and hear me and hear me well, there are some things that you can't learn from your pastor. What? I thought my pastor knew the whole Bible and everything about it. Well, he probably does, but there are some things that he may tell you that may go in one ear and out the other for you. But there are some things that you are going to have to learn on your own, on your own, by walking with God.
That's the only way you're going to learn them. I'm trying to help you this morning by saying that when you get in his word, when you spend time in prayer, when you're led by the spirit, there are some things that your pastor can't teach you. The spirit of God is the only one who can teach you those things. There are some things that thank God for Sunday school teachers, and I love Sunday school, but there are just some things that Sunday school teachers cannot teach you. You have to learn them on your own. How do you learn them? You've got to learn them by walking with God. And when you walk with him, you're able to learn some things. Wow, I didn't even know that was there. You do that when you spend a long time with him. And then I see this, walking with God. Enoch had this testimony. What, what does the Bible say? Enoch had this testimony. Did he have eight testimony? Did he have several testimonies? No, this testimony that he pleased God. You know what that insinuates, Pastor? It, it insinuates this for me, that either... He was in the midst of men who did not walk with God or he was among the very best that did walk with God. One of the two. I don't know which one it was, but how about but, but apply that to our lives. We're in the midst of wicked men in this day that we live in. Are we doing our best to walk with God? Are we doing our very, very best to walk with God? And even if there are other people walking with God, we ought to be among the very best. We got the truth right here in our King James Bible. We have a great church this morning. We have people that love us and care about us. You have a pastor that will do anything for you. But are you walking with him knowing that it's your testimony that you've got to walk with God? And then I see he, this in walking with God. Walking with God shows submissiveness and willingness to walk with him. You understand this morning that it, it is a voluntary action for you to walk with God. Your pastor, as great of a man he, as he is, cannot force you to walk with God. He cannot force you to read your Bible. He cannot force you to pray. He cannot force you to be led by the Spirit. You have to voluntarily, on your own, make that decision for yourself. Walking with God. You know what that shows? That's, that shows that I'm submitting my will to God's will. Whatever he wants, I want. And that's what walking with God shows. So number one, fellowship in walking with God. Number two, and, and, and uh, the second point of the message is this. Faith, having faith in God. Having faith in God. You understand this morning that Mark eleven twenty two says, And Jesus answering says unto them, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. By the way, fellowship and faith go hand in hand. You know, without fellowship, it's going to be hard to have faith. You say, what do you mean by that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk, how do we walk? We walk by faith. And then the other part of this is this, Hebrews eleven six. many of us can quote it. But without faith, listen closely, I know, but don't miss this. Please don't miss this. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, you know what it means to come to God? It means to walk with him on a daily basis. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of what? Those that diligently seek him. You know how you please God in faith? You go to him. And you know how you please God in faith? You diligently seek him. When you diligently seek him, 
you go to God and you walk with Him and you're in your word and you're in prayer and you're being led by the Spirit. So when you do those things, you're able to have faith in God. Fellowship and faith. I say this, it is extremely difficult or nearly impossible for you to have faith if you don't have fellowship. What do you mean by that? For the, for the gentlemen here this morning, a lot of us are sports guys, right? And uh, so if you ever, you, 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 everybody know what a basketball is? Yeah, amen. Okay, you have a basketball. And just say, I've, I've never shot a basketball in my life. Never, never have shot a basketball. I pick up a basketball and say, I stand behind the three-point line and say, I'm going to make this basket nothing but net. Never have shot a basketball. I'm going to make it nothing but net. I go to shoot it. You know what it's going to be? Airball city, right? <laughs> you know, what I'm trying to apply is this, is that if I've never picked up a basketball and shot it, why do I ever, why do I ever expect my, my uh, shot to ever be made? Or what I'm trying to say is, if I've never picked up a basketball and shot it, why do I ever expect to make it? And when I, how do I apply it to faith? If I don't walk with God and have fellowship with him, how do I ever expect my faith to be increased in him? It's never going to happen. Ladies, my wife likes, there was a dear lady, I think she's in the back, she likes to sew and likes to, to uh, you know, crochet and all those things. I don't know about much of that stuff. I just watch my wife do it. And, uh, but anyway, she does those things and she likes to do that. But ladies, this morning, if you've never picked up a sewing needle or a thimble or a sewing machine and ever have done anything like that, but you expect this morning, I'm going to do it for the very first time, and I'm going to make a beautiful blanket or a beautiful quilt, it's going to sell for about $500. I think you may be in for a rude awakening. It may be about yonky like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> but what I'm trying to say here is this. If you ever expect something to happen by way of faith, then you have to have fellowship. Fellowship goes hand in hand with faith. Husbands, you like to hold your wives? That's the same way fellowship and faith are. When you have fellowship and walking with God, then you're able to have faith in him. But he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek. Fellowship and faith. I say this this morning. If we're going to have faith this morning, and we're going to have fellowship and uh, this morning, we're going to have to have fellowship in order to have faith. You know what Enoch did? Enoch was translated out of here. Enoch said, God, whatever you want. God said, I'm going I'm to take you out of the world. Enoch said, whatever you want. I'm walking with you, Lord. Enoch was walking with God. Boom, he was out of here. Translated, no death. And that same faith that Enoch had by walking with him is the same faith that we ought to have this morning to say that the eastern sky, it may split this morning. And my, my walking with God constitutes my faith in God, believing this morning that God could break open that sky and send the Lord Jesus this morning. And there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can... See it afar. Why? Why this morning? When we walk with God, we have faith to believe that he can come at any moment. And I'm looking for him to return because he can take us out of the world, out of the wickedness that we're in this morning, and we can be on our way to heaven. Thank God for that. Fellowship and faith. And I say this and be done with this point. There is nothing in the Christian life that can be done outside of faith. 
What do you mean this morning, preacher? I can't do anything as a Christian uh, without faith? Absolutely. There is nothing you can do without faith. Nothing. Nothing. What do you mean? The Bible says here uh, in Ephesians 2 that we're saved by faith. You understand that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Ephesians chapter number 3. The Bible says we live as a believer by faith. Galatians 2.20. The life that I now live, I live in the flesh by the what? Faith of the Son of God. And so we live, in the, we live as a believer by faith. We overcome the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How do we get that faith? By walking with him. Number, uh, number six here. We uh, walk by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter number five. We resist the devil by faith. 1 Peter chapter number 5. We have access to God by faith. Ephesians chapter number 3. We fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We run our race by faith. Hebrews chapter number 12. And if it's not faith, folks, then it's sin. Romans chapter number 14. If you don't do things in the Christian life by faith, then you're committing sin. And that's just the well-being of it. So we see here this morning... Two areas in Enoch's life, right? Two areas. We have fellowship and we have faith. Fellowship and faith. They go hand in hand. Without faith, it is impossible to please them. How do we, we got to backtrack and walk with them. We got to have fellowship with them. So I say this here in closing. There are some things that God's not pleased with. He's not pleased with you not walking with him. And he is not pleased with you not having faith in him. And I want to, I want to, uh, I want you to turn, and, and I'll close with this. Romans chapter number eight. Well, I want you to see this here. This, this helps me, and I'm sure it'll help you. Romans chapter number eight. Look at verse number five, if you would. Romans eight, verse number five. Look there in your Bibles. Romans eight, verse number five. The Bible says this. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And I want all of us, all of us to focus on verse number 8. And by the way, let's read it all together this morning, okay? Romans 8, 8, begin. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Oh boy, let's read that again. Romans 8, 8, begin. So then they that are in the flesh cannot. So how do you not please God this morning? You want to live in the flesh? You'll, you'll make an A plus in not pleasing God. You'll get the report card sent home. He's done well. He's, he's lived in his flesh. He's done what he's wanted to do. Uh, she's made her own decisions. You want to get that A-plus report card this morning? I sure don't. I want to fail in that category. I want to be able to get an A-plus in pleasing God. But if I live in my flesh, what does it mean to live in my flesh? 1 John chapter number 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You want to live in your flesh? Get caught up in the lust of the eyes. Get caught up in the lust of the flesh. Get caught up in the pride of life. If you want to get caught up in living in the flesh, you get caught up in those three things. I promise you, you'll get an A-plus in living in the flesh and not pleasing God if you want to live that way. But if you want to copy Enoch's life and have a good example 
and you want to run your race and at the end of your life be able to please God and say, I've done all I can. And sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so had this testimony that he, she pleased God. By the way, we need reminders. First Thessalonians 4, and I'll make a turn there, verse number 1 says, that you need to be reminded. You need to be prodded. You need to be provoked. You need to be stirred up a little bit. Your pastor needs to, hey, 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 hey. You need to come in here and, and uh, you need to walk with God. If you walk with God, you'll have faith in God. He'll remind you of that. Your Sunday school teacher will remind you of that. I want to live the victorious Christian life. I do that by walking with God. And when I walk with God, I have faith in God. I want to, folks. When all this is said and done, I know I'm young, and I hope I have many more years to live for God. But when my life's through and my testimony is done, I want to have this testimony, and I want this to be yours as well, to have this testimony, to want to please God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the message this morning. Please apply it to the hearts of your people. I can't do it, but Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd help this people this week, this week, to please you, because we sure do need you, Father. We love you. Thank you for the preaching hour. Thank you for the Sunday school hour. May you work in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 441. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.